Welcome to episode 353 of the AMPM podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Krishna Poda. Krishna runs a company that consolidates data for larger sellers across all the platforms. They tie into like 100 plus different APIs and systems where they can bring all of your data into one place. And data is crucial for analyzing your business, especially once you get to that 1 million plus mark. Having all your data in one easy dashboard where you can analyze everything, get true P&Ls and true picture of what's happening is so critical. And it can be complicated uh, when it comes to running on different marketplaces, different uh, advertising platforms. We're going to be talking about that and more in this episode. Enjoy. And don't forget this summer, I'm debuting the Billion Dollar Sellers Newsletter it's 100% free for listeners of this podcast, so be sure to go to BillionDollarSellers.com and put in your email address and name to get on the beta list so you can be one of the first to get this brand new newsletter. It's going to be chock full of advice and tips and strategies and hacks for e-com and Amazon sellers. BillionDollarSellers.com. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Krishna Poda, welcome to the AMPM podcast. It's an honor to have you here. Kevin, great to be here as well. Looking forward to the chat. Now we met uh, not not too long ago, back uh, in in the spring. I think it was at uh, an event in Austin, like an Amazon seller meetup. And uh, I think Liron maybe actually came and uh, introduced us. Uh, and I, I'd never heard of what you'd done, but start we started talking. I was like, man, this is this is pretty fascinating. This is pretty cool. Let's tell everybody a little bit about your background. You come from the IT world, correct? Yeah, IT and uh, uh, analytics. So, uh, so I've graduated uh, back in India in 2005 with a degree in computer science. Migrated to the U.S. Uh, about 16 years now and uh, worked with companies like uh, National Instruments and, uh, and Oracle before uh, uh, setting up uh, Cyrus Analytics. Um, I, was a, I was an enterprise architect at Oracle before I uh, decided to uh, uh, set up the company. What, is, what does enterprise architect mean for those that aren't in the IT world? What, what does that mean? Great question. Uh, an enterprise architect is somebody who understands business objectives uh, and lays out a technology roadmap that enables a business to achieve those stated business goals. Uh, broadly, I would say that is their responsibility. Uh, a good enterprise architect would have a great sense for, for a business and the business goals and the objectives they're trying to achieve. Uh, would have a good understanding of uh, uh, different technologies and how they work together and also uh, have a good understanding of how a different set of technologies can be stitched together to achieve uh, these goals. You're more like you're like a movie producer or something. You're, you're not the guy down in the weeds uh, coding everything, but you're the guy bringing all the parts together and putting all the pieces together to help whatever the client is or the business or the, the, the goals of, of that piece of, uh, of technology. Yeah, I used to do that for about uh, 12 plus years uh, before taking on more of an enterprise architecture role and uh, being more like a director or a producer, if you want to call it that, yeah. So so enterprise architecture is the next level up above that? Yeah, an enterprise architecture is taking a bird, bird's eye view 
uh, into into like I said the goal systems, the technologies, and optimizing the tech landscape to achieve business goals, both in terms of technology performance, but also in technology in terms of cost, and also keeping in mind people's capabilities and how those capabilities sort of play into the usage of technology. You you. Grew up in India. You came to the U.S. to get, I think, like a master's or a Ph.D. or something like that. And then you, you decided, hey, I'm going to stay here. You took some jobs working for these big companies. Did that for, like you said, 12 plus uh, years. And then when did you start your current company? You, you went out on your own and uh, started the, the current company. Um, when did you start that? We are actually coming up on seven years uh, now, next month. So 20, 2016. 2016, that's right. And how did you, what, were you just tired of working the corporate job or did you see an opportunity uh, to do this uh, to do this or did, do you have a buddy that was maybe messing around in e-commerce or something You're like hey I need a solution for this you're like I can help you out and it just kind of snowballed from there how did that process work how that evolution yeah. work great question uh, uh, at, uh, when I was doing my hands-on work I was uh, moving data building dashboards doing analysis making different systems talk to each other and at my role at Oracle, I moved into an enterprise architect role, and my responsibility over there included talking to many uh, C CXOs at companies, trying to understand their business goals, and like I said, doing whatever an enterprise architect would do. Uh, I did that for about four years. Incredible experience, I must say. Uh, learned a few things along the way. Uh, we were working with uh, small to mid-sized companies, uh, companies making less than $250 million in revenue. We used to call them small to mid-sized uh, and one of the common themes that came across is a lot of these companies that I spoke to, and I would have easily spoken to about 2,000 companies over a period of four years uh, and got into deep deep conversations with many of them. Uh, and one of the themes that commonly emerged is, hey, we have the tech, but we don't have the people to utilize that tech and deliver business results. We have the people, but the tech is expensive. Uh, and ultimately, due to some of... and they, they set off on their data initiatives, for example, uh, but those initiatives have to be abandoned either because the people who have started it have left the company. Uh, keep in mind, these are small companies. You they're not, not necessarily having an army of uh, people running these projects, right? There's usually a two, three, four member team. And even if two people leave, now suddenly you're uh, handicapped significantly. So, uh, so this sort of was a repeat pattern in a lot of uh, a lot of my customers, um, and uh, I also noticed very closely uh, that they were spending a lot of money but not succeeding in their initiatives. Um, so that's what led to the genesis of uh, Saras Analytics as a company. Uh, the broad idea was how do we make data easy for small to mid-sized businesses. When I say data easy. Uh, it is at the end of the day, data is a means to provide decision support to stakeholders. Uh, but there are a lot of processes and systems and people that enable that to happen. And that sort of was the genesis. Say what you, what, you, what can't be measured can't be improved or, or something along those lines. So data is critical. And especially when it comes to e-commerce, there's so many people that are just flying by the seat of their pants or doing something just with Excel spreadsheets. And maybe that's okay when you first start out and you're just doing a, a few thousand or you know, 10, 15, $20,000 or something. But once you get into the level that some of the listeners here are, they're doing millions or tens of millions or even in some cases hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the, the data and the way you're processing data for your business is, is, cru is crucial. And tying together 
in this business, there's so many different systems from the Amazon system, the Shopify system, the, the logistics uh, uh, systems, the advertising systems. There, there's so many different things, uh, and, t and they're all written in different some of them are written in uh, PHP, some are written them in Python, some are written in uh, you know some other Ruby on Rails, uh, another whatever it may be. And tying all those together can be a, a super challenge, right? It is indeed a challenge. In fact, when we started the company, we had a much broader objective, which is making data easy for small businesses. But uh, after spending a couple of years working primarily in the e-commerce industry, e-commerce slash digital industry. Uh, we uh, decided to narrow down and uh, solve specific pain points for this particular vertical. And like you said, uh, if you take a, a seller who is on Amazon, they might not j just be selling on Amazon US. They might be selling on Amazon UK, Amazon Mexico, and they might even be selling in Amazon in Europe and Japan as well. And they have inventory sitting in all of these different places. Amazon is rolling out uh, add products than a confectionery store can produce cookies or candies. Uh, and and they're encouraging sellers to spend a lot of money on various advertising products, right? So if you just take a seller who is on Amazon, they have data in each marketplace and data in each of these advertising systems. So unless somebody can consolidate all of this data, uh, getting meaningful insights in terms of how their business is actually performing, identifying opportunities to uh, you know, improve uh, their business, uh, uh, you know, business outcomes can be more challenging and time consuming. Now, if the seller decides to, let's say, start selling on Walmart or Target or set up their own Shopify stores, they're just amplifying the problem statement because now there are more and more data silos. Um, so, uh, so our product, and we can talk about that later, but uh, the first problem is consolidating all of this data into a single place and then stitching all of this data together so that the business can then visualize and understand how uh, you know, they can benefit from uh, quickly, quick to use, uh, readily available data, which is up to date hourly so that they're not spending valuable time doing that on their own. Yeah, that, that can get extremely complicated really, really fast. I mean, I know there's some off the shelf programs like Sintel and uh, there's several others out there that help you, know, if you, help you manage marketplaces. So like, you can upload, you know, your listing to one place and then kind of spread it out through the APIs to other marketplaces. But there's nothing uh, really that uh, consolidates all these different types of reportings and all this different type of stuff into one cohesive dashboard. So instead of having a lot, like as, as you're expanding, if you're a big seller on Amazon, you're having to log into multiple systems to get reports or you get managers logging in, printing out reports or sending you PDFs or, or whatever. And you, and it's it's it can be daunting. Uh, but if you can have one one dashboard that basically has everything, and if you want to drill down, you can easily drill down. That's basically what you guys do, right? Is is It's like on one master dashboard. And then, so if I'm, um, I'm running, you know, I'm not running my, I'm running my business, not in my business, as you should be, if you're at that, this level, you shouldn't be the guy, you know, you, sh you should be running the business, not, not in the business you can log in really quick and see the master. You can, you can play God basically and see the master overview of everything. Is, is that correct? Yes. So that's one of the major outputs that uh, uh, gets generated uh, through our work, uh, which is like you said, uh, business owners should be on the business, not in the business. I myself uh, over the last seven years have uh, done a lot of working in the business, right? Where 
instead of having one of our engineers fix a problem, I try and go and fix the problem myself. But what that means is I'm not spending enough time reaching out to people, uh, meeting new cust- potential new customers and trying to focus on how to grow the business rather than getting uh, very detailed and uh, uh, trying to solve problems that perhaps are better suited for somebody else to solve. And uh, uh that realization took a lot of time. I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it, but uh, it's a learning curve. Um, and uh, we have invested a lot in productivity softwares over a period of time, so on and so forth. And because uh, I've seen the evolution of myself as an entrepreneur over, over the last seven years where I had to take on different roles. And at each role, uh, I had to figure out, okay, what is my responsibility in this particular role and what are the responsibilities that in an ideal world I should be delegating and expecting? Uh, outcomes on so that I can focus my efforts and my leadership team also can focus their efforts on the strategic aspects of the business rather than running the, the day-to-day. You're here in the U.S. Is any the rest of your team here in the U.S. or are most of them in India? We have some some uh, a small portion of the team here in the U.S., but uh, I would say for the most part, we are an India-based uh, company. So that means you're working uh, some strange hours. Uh, you're, yeah. you're, you're, what's that? Ten uh, from Austin. You're in Austin, so it's that ten and a half hours time time difference. I think uh, to to India. Uh, so that means you're up late at night uh, or early in the morning. It's actually both. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's actually it's actually both. The I guess the only downtime I get is is in the afternoons, uh, and that is if I don't have any customer calls on that day. But yeah, it's been uh, pretty rough, but exciting at the same time. How big is the How big is the team in India? We are roughly uh, 160 uh, uh, teammates uh, spread across uh, software engineering, product management, and consulting. Why did you decide to actually base most of the team in India versus in the U.S. or Philippines or somewhere else? What are, what are the advantages um, to, to having most of the team in India? despite you having to work odd hours to, to, to go into meetings and stuff with them? Yeah, great question. Uh, one is uh, familiarity with the, with the ecosystem back there. Uh, second is we are a bootstrapped company. We have been since day one. Uh, and what that meant is every dollar we earn, uh, we have to be very judicious about how we spend it and figure out how to get the most uh, value out of the dollar that we are spending. So uh, India also happened to be a uh, cost-effective way to achieve that. Uh, And the third and and equally important aspect of it is uh, we work with the small to mid-sized businesses, right? Uh, And for them, um, especially on the consulting front, uh, it becomes unviable or in most cases unviable to provide the same level of service and support and capability having a US-based team uh, at a price point that makes sense for these smaller businesses. So that's also a part of the driver for uh, building a team in India. And Indian programmers are talented. I mean, it's a specialty of, uh, you know, the, the, the training and everything over there is is really good. So I've got a couple of my businesses uh, that we use um, programmers based in India to do a lot of uh, everything from just website stuff to database stuff to whatever. Um, because like you said, it, it is more economical and they do a good job. Uh, they, they, know, they know what they're doing. Totally understand on that side. So what, what are some of the things that you see when people start to scale their e-commerce business, some of the big pain points that they're having that you guys help solve? What are, what are some of the things that 
when, when you take on a new client that comes to you and they're like, you're like, oh my God, this is just a mess over here. Or you're not paying attention. You haven't been paying attention to this. And we're going to show you like, holy cow, this is eye opening to the, the seller. Like I had no idea this, this, and this. What are some of those things that, that come about when that happens? Yeah, when you say e-commerce, to me, it, it means a few things. Uh, it, it could mean that a seller is selling on a marketplace like Amazon or Walmart. It could be that they are also selling in a uh, uh, store like Shopify or BigCommerce. They have their own direct-to-consumer presence. And they might also be offline in retail, right? Um, so now there are some products that are better fit. Uh, but they're better fit for selling in marketplaces like Amazon. There are some that are more brand oriented where an e-commerce platform like Shopify or a direct-to-consumer model might be better, so on and so forth. We have customers that span all of these, right? We have only sellers who are on Amazon. We have uh, brands that are on Amazon and Shopify. And I would say the needs of them at a high level are very similar, yet the complexity of fulfilling those needs can be a little challenging. One of the first things I that... I was quite surprised over the last few years when I looked at it was profit and loss statement and automated profit and loss statement that accurately tells the business how much money they're making each day, how much they are spending and uh, or if they are losing money, how much they are losing. Right. So not having a PL statement, uh, it, especially in a market where you see interest rate rising and investors are asking about uh, profitability, so on and so forth. Uh, it's quite challenging. So um, so that's one area where uh, customers work with us quite closely on. And if you talk about a PL statement, there are a bunch of inputs that need to go into, right? Marketing spends, cost of goods sold, uh, sales data, on-hand inventory. So essentially, you're, if, you look, if you look at a pyramid where at the, at the bottom of the pyramid, you have a bunch of different sources and applications that you're using that are actually generating data, your PL sort of sits at the, at the peak, right? Which is your ultimate output. And that output has to be generated through inputs coming from all of these systems. Your cogs might be in a spreadsheet. Uh, your marketing spend is in Amazon and Facebook. So consolidating all of this and getting to a PNL has been uh, uh, an exercise that uh, uh, customers have asked us to solve quite extensively. Um, a lot of customers also want to understand their customers more deeply. Uh, granted, Amazon doesn't. Uh, share uh, a lot of the customer uh, personally identifiable customer information, but uh, it's not difficult to uh, get repeat customer purchases. How many new customers are you acquiring? So, so that sort of information around lifetime value, uh, customer acquisition costs, so on and so forth, are another area where uh, uh, we've been doing quite a bit of work lately on. So you tie your system. I think you told me you tie into something like 120 APIs or something like that. We currently have support for 120 different sources. Uh, currently, we have the capability to add a new source uh, in a week's time frame or maybe even less. Uh, so I guess for all intents and purposes, wherever customer has their data, if that platform has a mechanism to share their data, we have the capability to ingest it. If they don't have a mechanism to share it through an API or other, other means, do you have the capability to scrape it? Uh, we don't get into scraping uh, what we ask the customer is normally those platforms have some other mechanism right where they can schedule a report and say i want this scheduled report to be delivered to an email and customers can set up an auto forward rule on their email to send that file to our platform and we process that data and ingest it 
So that could be one mechanism. Or customers can manually download the file and put it into a Google Drive or something like that. We read the file from the Google Drive and we move it to that consolidated place. Create a PL, you've got to tie into a lot of different systems. You're tying, if you're, I'm selling on Amazon and Shopify, you're tying into those two systems. You're tying into my QuickBooks or my Zero or something like that. You're tying into maybe uh, my, my payroll HR software or perhaps uh, tying into, uh, I guess, any kind of shipment or if, if you, I'm using a, a freight forwarder that has some sort of a digital or automated platform, you're tying into all that. Um, that can be. That's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. So you're basically having to customize. Uh, I mean, you you probably have some templates and some base, you know, starting points, but you're really having to customize for every single client. Is that true? Um, yes. So we do have templates which serve as a fast start for the most common use cases. But uh, at the end of the day, we are of the opinion that every business is unique, and so are their business intelligence or analysis requirements, right? So... Uh, so although we start off with the base templates, customers typically analyze their business in their own unique way. And that unique way may not be captured by templates. And that's where having a, a you know a tool that cannot be customized uh, limits customers because now they're, they're using a tool already that's giving them some data, but then it is not solving their needs. So they download that data into spreadsheets. And again, they're going back into the spreadsheet world there massaging the data or finding insights with whatever processes that they like to follow. Our approach is slightly different. We give turnkey solutions to customers who are on a budget for customers who have a little bit more of an expandable budget because they need that customization. We make it cost affordable for them to have a customized, very unique setup that is unique to their business. What are you, what size business in the e-com or slash retail, I guess you're doing, like you said, you're doing both. What size business would be, should I be at before I consider integrating all my my data and information systems into one place? Should I be at $100,000 a month? Should I be at $50,000 a month? Should I be millions? Where, where, where's that Where's that point where you suggest that people move off of their spreadsheets and their, their, their basic stuff into a more advanced, uh, sophisticated system like this? Yeah, over the last seven years and, and prior to that in my previous 15 years of experience as well, uh, there's one metric that I've sort of arrived at. Now we can debate whether this metric is right or wrong, but there's something that we very closely believe in, which is brands. I would strongly encourage brands to spend 1% to 2% of their annual revenue on data initiatives. So 1% to, to 2% on, of your gross revenue annual revenue on data initiatives that so that means software programs or customization anything 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 so it could be software it could be uh, uh, you know people to customize it uh, so on and so forth right so uh, so yes if, if I'm a 10 million dollar uh, company then one uh, percent is about 100k that's where I found. But that's what you would spend. What? But that's what you would spend is about hundred k if you're a ten million dollar company. That's what you would budget. But what, where, what, at what level should I be at before I consider doing this? Is it, should, if I'm a brand new seller just starting out, should I get these systems in place, or should it, it's it's really not effective or, or worth the the trouble till I get to fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars in monthly sales? Or where's that number? Yeah. Uh, I'd say 1 million in annual revenue is a good place to start. 
to get some tooling in place uh, so that people save time. Most of our customers are perhaps in the 5 million or above range. One to five, we do have some customers. We do less customization work for them. Uh, five to, I guess, 100, 200 uh, is fair game. So you know, one or above, in short. And you're not just doing this for sellers. Too. I mean, I think you have some clients that are like service providers. They're PPC agencies or they're something like they're aggregating a bunch of data from, you know, they got three or 400 different accounts that they're, they're managing and you're aggregating all that data into like one master dashboard or something. So they're not actually Correct. selling, uh, but you can do that kind of stuff as well, right? Correct. Yes. And the beauty is it's the same platform. It's just that the scale is different. And we have made a conscious effort over the last four years of development to build a platform for scale. Uh, so let's say for a, for a brand, we are running uh, 20 connections. For an agency, we might be running 20,000 connections because they have so many customers or uh, uh, sellers that, uh, that they're managing. So yeah, so uh, agencies are uh, uh, have been uh, good customers for us, uh, and we've been able to drive a lot of lot of value for them, uh, and so are sellers as well. There's a, sellers, there, there's a couple other software tools out there that kind of do do this. I and mean, there's one, I think, out of Australia, uh, and there, there's a, a couple others. But how how are you guys different than a few of the other people that may be on the marketplace? Yeah. Um, so one I would say is being able to handle scale is not easy. Uh, things do tend to break uh, uh, at scale. So I'm not sure uh, how our competitors are able to manage scale at this point in time. But we made a conscious effort from the beginning not to build a point solution, but to build a platform that can actually scale. Uh, the second is uh, uh, we have unique capability within the product to be able to add new connectors quickly. So if a seller, let's say, is starting on Amazon, six months later, they decide to go into Europe and start selling into a European marketplace because uh, it's profitable for them uh, or set up a direct-to-consumer uh, store on Shopify and start selling on them. Uh, unless the platform has uh, the ability to scale to the demand of all of these new connectors, customers are often dealing with multiple tools. So not only do you have multiple tools at the application layer, so you have Shopify and Amazon, but you're also ending up using multiple tools at the reporting and analytics layer where you're probably getting Amazon reporting in one tool, Shopify reporting in another tool, retail reporting in another tool. It's the same problem all over again, right? Uh, and the true opportunities get lost in these in these silos. So, uh, so we... Um, so we have our approach basically enables customers to start small. They could be a single store in US in Amazon and it's a viral product. And now they have a direct to consumer brand. They can grow with us over a period of time. And we have seen that happen over the last few years. How's the big boom in AI affecting what you guys do? We are very, very excited about it. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, at the end of the day, AI models only work when customers have their data consolidated. Uh, so uh, there is another reason why customers should, I believe, take their data seriously. Uh, because once the data is consolidated and they have access to that data, uh, AI models can be unleashed on that data and interesting insights and uh, applications can be developed or built on top. 
see how that would be super powerful to have all that data aggregated and like you said, unleash an AI on it to analyze it. And it, uh, it's probably going to create some eye-opening uh, gaps or opportunities. Correct. Think of it uh, this way, right? So you can uh, ask into a, a chat screen, hey, what are my top performing products today rather than looking at a dashboard? Yeah. You know, and have that delivered to you uh, and more intelligently, right? And you can engage with that bot. So, uh, so I'm super excited about uh, the possibilities. We're doing some... Uh, uh, some work there internally, but uh, hopefully they'll see light of days later this year. What is does do you just assimilate the data and create reports, or can I actually manage my business from it? Can I manage like all my customer service? So if I have Shopify site, a Walmart.com, and a Amazon US and Amazon Europe, can can it bring that data in all the customer service data so it's in like one master dashboard, uh, or do I still have to manage that separately? Uh, I know you bring in, you know, the the spend, the sales, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, can you bring in that kind of data as well? So, and I can have one place to do everything. Yeah. So we have we have built a system that will enable customers to have, and again, we are only focused on business intelligence, analytics, and machine learning, right, on the data space. So we are not necessarily going out there and building a software that would respond to a review on Amazon. That's not our focus area. But any data that you want to report and visualize and analyze is fair game. Uh, we have, for example, for uh, customer support, if you're a Shopify customer, you have uh, a service known as Gladly or Gorgias, which are very popular services on, in the Shopify ecosystem. Uh, now, customers can integrate that data into the dashboard through our, our tooling and see how their customer support is performing along with the impact that that customer support ticket might have had on retention of that customer. Let's say a customer has had a bad experience and the customer churned at the end, uh, you know, soon after that interaction, you can correlate that information and maybe use that information to coach your support team, so on and so forth, right? Uh, so, so, yeah, and if customers are using a service or a customer support system that we don't support at this point in time, we're more than happy to just add, add that into the system. So in a nutshell, yes, everything that a customer might want to report and visualize on, we are able to support. You, you, you're not actually, don't have the system to actually answer those those customer service, but you can analyze the data like by tying into these other systems where it says, this is how long it took to respond. This is, you know, the impact it made. So it's, it's really the data analysis, not the actual interaction. Yes, it is. It is both. So let's say let's look at the scenario, right? And I have this problem internally as well. We use a service called as Fresh Chat and Fresh Desk for our customer support, and we have an internal database where we are seeing customer activity. All right. Uh, now, for me to understand that, okay, here we have a customer who is in our enterprise plan. How many tickets have they created in the last six months, and how is that? ticket volume trending over a period of time. There's no way for me to look at it other than taking each customer one by one, going into these other systems and then plugging those details and then looking at the report uh, in, a, in a difference. So I'm going back and forth, back and forth. Now, if I want to tie that with, okay, this enterprise customer, how much did they pay over the last six months? Now I have to go to a different service like Stripe or something like that, where we are using the credit card to bill. Uh, so that's a different service that the support system doesn't have. But today I have an internal dashboard where I have all of these things tied. 
So I just go to one location and I see, okay, here is my, uh, these are my top, let's say, 100 customers. These are the challenges that they're having. Uh, and that enables me to have better conversations with the customer support team and train them better, uh, have better conversations with the engineering team and uh, uh, drive more sense of urgency to in resolving these issues. So can you tie into some of the other existing tools that are out there? You know, some of the, the keyword research tools so like Helium 10 or some of the other, uh, you know, tools that manage PPC and that, that kind of stuff that are already out there on the market that people have developed. Are you able to bring that data in so I can almost overlay that? Like if I have a keyword research tool and I have my PPC, I can almost create my own little custom script or have the AI when you get to that point, you know, analyze between the two and see what I'm missing. That kind of stuff. Are you able to do something along those lines? Absolutely. As long as the PPC tool has a mechanism to share data, whether that is through a file export or uh, or an API, it's fair game. We can build that connector into our platform and start shipping that data over. Okay. Uh, awesome. Um, what You work with some of the biggest aggregators in this space, right? Uh, and what are some, when they, they come to you, I guess you're kind of under the radar, so you're not really out there advertising or sponsoring stuff. You know, I had not, not heard of you guys until I met you uh, a few months ago. Um, so it must be like word of mouth uh, that, that's that's getting around for, for the most part. But when they bring you on, what are some of their aha moments? What are what are some things that you see where they're like, holy cow, this is what are some this is so awesome. Or now I had no idea about this, this and this. What are some some big difference makers that you see big wins that they get right away? Yeah, I would say the biggest win for uh, uh, for an aggregator, especially, is time to value. For example, we have one of the most robust support for uh, Amazon's SP API and Amazon Advertising API, Amazon Marketing Streams, and we are soon launching uh, support for Amazon Marketing Cloud as well, right? So if, if I was an aggregator and I have, let's say, 40 or 50 brands and I want to consolidate all of this data from... Uh, you know, 40 or 50 different Amazon marketplaces, if they're only selling in US or hundreds of marketplaces, then they would normally would have to spend and hire six or seven developers just to build support for this API. And it would probably be a year, one and a half year project because Amazon's constantly improving their APIs, adding new capabilities, so on and so forth, right? So it'll, it'll probably take them like a seven or eight member team to just get this entire thing up and running and maybe a year, year and a half of development and iteration. We reduce that to days. And that's the benefit, right? It's it's really the time to value uh, is what, what we offer for uh, all of these aggregators where they can bring uh, the credentials to their systems, plug it in into our platform and boom, they have all the historical data extracted and loaded into their systems. And most of these aggregators have internal uh, data analysts or data scientists. So they they just use us to get the data from a bunch of different systems. Uh, we deliver the data to them and they build intelligence on top of it that we don't have privy to or access to. So, so they build, in other words, their own custom solution that is unique to their, uh, their business. And we enable them to get there faster. You don't have data scientists on your team. You're you're more, you're you're the you're the aggregator of data, and then the the aggregator of Amazon accounts can layer their own technology or their own stuff on top of that. Correct. In the context of an aggregator, they don't use our uh, consulting services, which have data has data scientists, but they don't use us typically for that those sorts of 
uh, exercises, but they just use, like you said, uh, for aggregation of data. They use the product. So, are you looking to get to expand beyond e-commerce? I know some of your e-com people also do retail. You said, but are, do you see any other applications or other industries out there where you might be able to expand uh, this type of technology? I feel like we could. I mean, we also have customers that find us online and uh, sign up. We have some software companies that use our product. We have some manufacturing companies who use QuickBooks come and use our product, etc. But from our focus area standpoint, uh, there is so much to do in e-commerce, so many problems to solve uh, that uh, we're going to stay in this in this area for a few more years and get to the bottom of it and uh, you know simplify. Like I said, uh, make data easy for as many customers as we possibly can. What are like if if you had to give advice to an e-com e-com uh, seller, what are like the top three to five? data points they need to truly pay attention to that a lot of them maybe don't. A lot of them know their gross sales. A lot of them know how much is in their bank account. Those are the obvious ones. But what what are some of the big ones that most people don't pay attention to that they should be? Yeah. That, you're, that, felt, that when you aggregate the data, it, it, it just makes it crystal clear for you. Yeah, I would, I would recommend that every business owner have a strong sense for the KPIs, right? So there are tier one KPIs, tier two KPIs, tier three KPIs, right? In in my business also, there are sales and there are costs, which are tier one APIs, but there are so many tier two and tier three APIs and optimization really happens there, right? Uh, for example, reducing customer uh, ticket resolution time will imp- improve stickiness uh, and provide better uh, retention of customers, right? So that will in turn have an impact on revenue. So I would encourage sellers to think about their KPIs. I'm pretty sure everybody knows their tier one KPIs one way or the other, right? Otherwise, it would be difficult to run their business. But I would encourage them to start also thinking about these tier two, tier three KPIs across uh, the different departments that they have, operations, inventory, um, you know, supply chain, uh, customers, marketing insights, etc., and see whether the current systems that they have are actually answering those tier two, tier three KPIs well, or if they find themselves using a bunch of spreadsheets uh, to get that information. The second key uh, call out that I would have for sellers is the frequency with which they are checking this tier two, tier three KPIs. Right? They can get to tier two, tier three KPIs using a spreadsheet, but if going through a spreadsheet means they are getting that visibility into those KPIs like once a month or once a week, then maybe uh, that's not ideal. Right? And they're probably doing it once a month or once a week because there's a manual effort. They just don't have time to put in that effort. So it's just get, kept getting delayed. So if they wish that, you know what, I wish I had access to this information faster, more automated, and I would like to do this more frequently and they don't today, uh, I would say is another signal. Uh, and the third one is focus on, as a bootstrap company, this is critical for me. This is almost in our DNA. Uh, focus on... Uh, uh, Customers and customer happiness, you know, repeat purchase rates, so on and so forth uh, for businesses that lend themselves to repeat purchase rates uh, is important. And also profitability. Uh, stay on top of uh, uh, your your finance metrics so that at the end of the month when bills are due, you're not stressing yourself out if you're a, if you're a seller. Does, does your tool allow you to go the other way? You're importing all this data, but do you allow export too? Like if I'm consolidating all this data, can I export that to my QuickBooks to create 
more robust PNLs and not have to manually enter all this data from all, all these different places? Yeah. So today, the PNL that we are building might reside in a tool like Data Studio, Google Data Studio, or Luca Studio, as this is called now, or Tableau, or Power BI, etc. But we don't necessarily push that uh, PNL to uh, uh, to QuickBooks per se. Uh, the industry term over there is called reverse ETL, although I don't like that term. We prefer to call it feeds or activation. Uh, we will have some of that capability later this year, uh, but to specific use cases that uh, that are relevant. So, for example, I can take my customer data and send it to, uh, if I'm on a direct-to-consumer store, right? I, I'm, let's say I'm using Klaviyo as my email automation service. I can have a unified customer record in my warehouse or customer 360 and push that to Klaviyo so that my campaigns can be run in a much smarter, more granular way. And we'll have some use cases there for Amazon sellers as well later this year. This this all sounds pretty expensive. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of a uh, a lot of brain power behind uh, building out these systems, and they're pretty complicated. I mean, what what am I looking at if I want to implement this in one of my businesses? It's not expensive. Uh, like I was I mentioning at the beginning of the podcast, we started off with the goal of uh, uh, helping small to medium sized businesses. And uh, there are three P's, as I, I want to call it. There are people, process, uh, and, and price. So price is an important uh, element of the tripod, which has to be lower. So if you are a seller, if you're looking for uh, automated reporting, uh, the cost would be maybe a couple hundred bucks a month or something like that to get things out of the box. Thank From a reporting standpoint. A couple hundred bucks a month, is that... Is that plus a, a like a big setup fee, or is that just get in a couple hundred bucks a month and you'll uh, tweak everything to work with my systems? Uh, so usually the setup fee is only charged when uh, uh, we have, let's say, a ton of customer profiles that have to be set up. And let's say PNL, right? So PNL, some customers might say, "Hey, I have my own way of capturing PNL, and that is in this." spreadsheet that I created that doesn't sit with our template. So it depends. I would say it depends. In some cases, there is a set of fee. We assess it with the customer and in some cases it doesn't. Uh, but for the most part, uh, especially if it is purely a seller, not necessarily an agency because they have a different set of problems, uh, we try to avoid the, the set of fee. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that it's really affordable to do something like like this. I, you, I would think this would be, uh, you know, like... If you go to Oracle or somebody like that, they're wanting, uh, what, what is it, ten, 10 grand a month plus $50,000 a month or some crazy number to have a, a dedicated engineer. Uh, it's, it's crazy, like enterprise level pricing. But that's, since yeah. you, like you said, you're targeting the small to medium sized businesses, they don't have that kind of money or that's not normal to them. They, they don't have government money where they can just make it up out of thin air. So you're really catering to, to them and providing. Um, Something that's, I think, desperately needed and a lot of people just aren't doing. They're not doing. Maybe some are not thinking that it's important, but we believe that data ownership is critical for long-term success of a business. So if I'm a seller or a brand and I'm focused on building a strong uh, presence in the market over a long period of time, uh, in my head, it is imperative that they have ownership of their data. Uh, And if they don't, then... And, and normally, I, I was so surprised, actually. Um, I've met a lot of sellers who have the data backed up on their laptop 
like they would run a report on Amazon ads and save that report on on their laptop in a in a CSV file and have that backed up over a period of time. But if that laptop crashes, then they probably lose that data. Um, or they're using a third-party tool, and if you decide to cancel a subscription of that tool, uh, I don't know what the terms and conditions for the tool might be, but it's possible that they might lose some valuable business performance data if they are not taking ownership of it. Uh, and that's where uh, our approach is to help brands take ownership of their data uh, in an affordable manner so that they can look at historical performance, what worked, what didn't work, and use that in their decision-making going forward. You tie into all the uh, social media platforms as well for people that are running ads on like Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or any of that kind of stuff? We have all of those, plus uh, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, a bunch. I agree with you. Data is one of the most valuable assets of any company. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, you know, I, I talked to somebody the other day that said they had 1.8 million email addresses uh, from that they've just been capturing from insert cards and different methods, and they've never emailed them. They're afraid to email them. I'm like, why? <laughs> That's a gold mine right there. Uh, and but when you can consolidate, like I, I remember when I was having of selling on Walmart. I'm not selling on Walmart right now, but I was selling on Walmart for a while. Uh, Amazon, Shopify, uh, through the mail, and I was getting all these leads and all these, and I was having to manually update my master database of customers and names and email addresses. But your system will do all that automatically, tag them, uh, and that that right there is worth the price of admission alone, uh, just to have all that in, in one single place. And when you have that data, it, it's Something, if something goes wrong on one of these platforms, uh, you have it. Like you, like you said, it, it's there and you can, you can leverage that and you can use it in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it's so important, not just from the analytics point of view, but from just the having it point of view. Correct. Correct. Agreed. So that's what we are trying to enable. And we are trying to enable in a cost-effective manner, a friendly manner. Uh, we, we love to retain our customers and uh, in a manner that will uh, deliver long-term success for uh, the sellers brands that uh, work with us. Awesome. Well, if, uh, if somebody wanted to reach out, uh, Christian, and find out more about you guys, uh, how would they do that? How would they find out more about what you might be able to do to help them out? Um, so we are available on uh, sarasanalytics.com, S-A-R-A-S analytics.com. Um, so feel free to reach out and uh, hit the contact us button and leave your details and uh, we can be in touch. Uh, I'm also on uh, LinkedIn. Um, All right. So, so Saras, S-A-R-A-S analytics.com or you can uh, look up uh, Krishna uh, Poda on uh, LinkedIn. Awesome. Krishna, I know this was your first time to ever appear on a podcast. You did an excellent job. I know you're a little bit nervous, but... Uh, Great job, man, and uh, you guys are doing a, a really good thing here. Uh, I hope some people are able to take advantage. Thank you, Kevin. This was a this was a breeze. So uh, thanks for making it easy, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Data and analytics are the backbone to the success of any business. What you can't measure, you can't analyze, you can't improve. So doing something like what Krishna was talking about, where you bring everything together from all these different platforms, can just make the analysis so much better in combining that with where the advances in AI are going right now. It's almost a no brainer, almost it. Even if you're below that 1 million threshold that he said, 
So I hope you got some good information from this episode and it uh, enlightened you on some of the things you may need to be thinking about if you're a beginning seller or if you're already established and doing well. This is something that uh, I think you should definitely uh, to look into doing, whether it's with uh, a company like Krishnas or with, with, with somebody else. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. But before we leave, I've got some words of wisdom for you. This is from actually Mary Kay Ash. Mary Kay Ash, the famous uh, cosmetics company founder. She says, don't limit yourself. Many people limit themselves to what they think they can do. But you can go as far as your mind lets you. What you believe, remember, you can achieve. Don't limit yourself. Many people limit themselves to what they think they can do. But you can actually go as far as your mind lets you. What you believe Remember, you can achieve. See you again next week.